Hi, I'm Sarah, and this is the podcast version of my newsletter called Sarah by the Season, where I explore what is speaking my curiosity as I try to lean into nature's wisdom and rhythms. Subscribe and learn more at sarahbythesseason.substack.com. The title of this week's newsletter is Our Corner, A Lament. Grant fell in love with our place long before I did. That's a longer story for another day, but the first time I remember thinking maybe this could work was the week before we closed and brought the kids out to walk around. There was, and is, an old swing by the creek that we couldn't get Maeve to leave, so I pushed her while the boys explored. The sun started setting, and the way the light bent in through the trees made me feel all the things. It was a little, slash a lot, like falling in love. We buried some of our beloved dog Roxy, as well as many beloved chickens back there. We had picnics and bonfires and many a sunset stroll in the spot. I don't have many pictures of the spot that we came to call the best light corner, because the camera never did it justice, and maybe because it was a bit too sacred for pictures anyway. I came home from work early on Tuesday this week because Maeve was homesick and said that they were cutting down trees to find our corner completely cleared of trees. I called the county surveyor's office and completely lost it on the nice gentleman who was in charge of the project, who basically told me there was nothing he could do. I tried every avenue I could think of to fight or delay the destruction, but they cleared at least 75 old, some of them easily at least 150-year-old trees, as of the time of writing this, plus lots of other younger saplings. Grant and I moved as many smaller ones as we could Tuesday evening, but not nearly as many as we would have liked. The county has to expand the drainage ditch that runs through our property because the city has allowed too dense of development into the media areas upstream of us, much of which is a flood zone, and now the water has nowhere to go. Our family organized over 100 people three years ago telling the city planners exactly that, among other arguments, against the most recent development, but they told us we were being melodramatic and that our properties would be minimally impacted. I loved this particular spot. So much. I grieve it like I would a treasured old friend because it was. I'm enraged about how the city and county so callously handled the situation. But I think most of all, I feel so defeated. It feels like this is a microcosm of so much what, of what is wrong with our collective values or lack thereof. We are what we value and we Americans value the quick fix, the thing that best serves me right now, the cheapest choice, the easiest way. We value the rugged individual and go around pretending like interdependence doesn't undergird literally everything. We believe we're exceptional, we're clueless enough to think that the natural world is ours for the plundering and that living animals are for commodifying, and that there will be no repercussions. We Americans don't like to think about future generations or the consequences of our actions. We've been like this from the time Europeans got here. This is, of course, nothing new for the native people of these lands that have watched us destroy it for centuries now. None of this is new to me, either, but having to listen, smell, and see it so blatantly with my eyes this week in one of my most beloved places was particularly devastating and demoralizing. I spent definitely hundreds, if not thousands, of hours organizing the fight against the developments that led to this destruction this week. I'm sure that I could have done more, but I was simultaneously working and raising a family. You can see how they keep winning. Fighting them is exhausting, depressing, and often futile. So I spent two days this week in a hardcore rage spiral. But the past several years have taught me that I physically don't have the energy to live in rage, nor do I want to. In the midst of this fight over the past several years, we have debated selling and getting farther away from the city's mindless greed and corruption, or maybe even just leave the state that isn't all that aligned with our closest values anyway. We've decided, for now, to stay. I listened to this episode of Holding the Fire with Dr. Yuria Seledwin, and she talked about what is needed for the great unraveling, as she calls it, 
that is already here. Quote, Hope may create this bypassing idea that everything is going to be okay. Everything will be fine because something is going to happen that will fix everything for us. But the horrors are out there. They are very real. Every day people lose their lives. And by people I mean human, other than human, lands, places, bodies of water, forests, etc. They are losing their lives and we are not knowing how to stop it. The horrors are there. We don't know really if everything is going to be okay. And it's good that we don't know if everything will be okay. Because then that hope dissolves and commitment arises. Realizing that there is this sheer imbalance, then we commit to serving, to nourishing, all those actions that will benefit a planetary flourishing. It is not about avoiding the horror and only thinking on the good. We are both. And only in being able to really see them both, embody them both, may we be able to have that chosen action, that no matter what, despite not knowing the outcome, we are still deeply committed to those ways of interacting, of serving, that will benefit the larger community. End quote. And so I'm wondering if our place is a place where we could practice the kind of commitment Dr. Seledwin is talking about. The kind of commitment she's talking about and that this time requires isn't naive or arrogant enough to think it will change the city's ways. It is a commitment to practicing a new way in this place, if even to only show ourselves that it is possible. They tear down trees and destroy old growth habitat, and we plant trees and restore soil. They put pavement and turf grass over wild spaces, and we turn over more of this place to wild prairie. They fill our waterways and watershed with Roundup and worse, and we plant natives along our portion of the creek that do even just a little bit to help alleviate the damage. They send animals to factories, and we only eat animals when we know the farmers who raise them. They truck off topsoil, and we compost. By the standard of commitment, every choice can become a vote for the kind of world we want more of, whether or not we know the end of the story. Earlier in the podcast conversation, Dr. Seledwin tells a story of her grandfather. She said that she went to him when she was younger, despairing about the state of the world. Her grandfather asked her, are you doing your best? Are you sharing your food? Are you becoming home for others? Are you bringing together peoples and places? She responded that she is doing that, but asked him if it was enough if she does, does it herself. Her grandfather responded, oh no, you are not by yourself. I do that too. So now we are two. And now you have to go out there and find the other ones. There are many more out there. You just have to find them. To use Dr. Seledwin's words, our place has experienced the horror of American values this week, despite our efforts to protect it. But that doesn't have to be the end of the story. We may not know the end of the story. We may have little control over the larger story. But we can create new stories, however small, at our place and with our people beginning with every seemingly small action that we take to live into new values, to consider how our actions affect all beings instead of just ourselves, to plant instead of pillage, to go without instead of adding to the problem, to trust that there is more than enough to go around, to do our best, to share our food, to become a home for others, to bring people and places together. Check out the actual newsletter for a little ritual I created for our corner this week in case you have a beloved place that you are grieving to, which you can find at sarahbytheseason.substack.com. Thanks as always for listening. If you know of someone else who might like this sort of thing, I would love it if you would share it with them. You don't know how big of a difference it makes to writers and creators when you share our work. Learn more at sarahbytheseason.substack.com. And here's to doing our best. <laughs>